Well, good afternoon. This is Bevan Caramello, and you are listening to Your Weekly Skinny with Jesus. Today is December 6, 2016, and I am so glad you're here with us. We are just at the very beginning, only our second week in, to a new series um, called Women of Influence. Um, we Last week we talked about Eve and the influence that she had over her husband, Adam, in the garden. And then the influence she had throughout her life as um, the mother of all mankind. And the way in raising her sons, Cain and Abel, and then her second chance with Seth. So today we are going to be covering another woman. And men, I don't want you to give up here. Don't quit. Don't hang up because we can all learn from the women in the Bible just as well as we can learn from the men in the Bible. And so I know we have a few men who tune in every week, and I'm so glad to have you as well. I don't want you to think you've been forgotten or that this isn't going to have anything for you because it will, I promise. All right? So with that said, let's get moving. Okay, so this week we are going to be talking about a woman named Deborah. Deborah is found in the book of Judges. She is actually the fourth judge in a series of judges. I think there's 12. Um, Some other judges that you may have heard their names are Samson, Gideon, and then there's some some less uh, well-known judges. Um, in there as well, like Shamgar and um, Ehud, and um, anyway, there's there's quite a few. They came into, they insert the picture, insert time right here at a time when Israel was going through this constant cycle of sin. Okay, this constant cycle of they would sin and they would fall away from God, and then they would be captured, they would be um, conquered as a nation, and they would um, be captured, they would be slaves, they would be under other authority, and then they would eventually go through enough hard times that they would cry out to God, and God would then raise up a judge to deliver them from their captors, and what would follow would be years of peace. For example, uh, different amounts of time um, but after after Deborah uh, delivered them through with God's help, of course, there were 40 years of peace where they obeyed and they followed God and they did what they were supposed to do. And then again, they would fall into the the same cycle of sin where they would rebel and they would start doing things their own way instead of God's way. And eventually, they would be captured, and then God would raise up another judge. So you guys get the picture. Okay, so. What do we know about Deborah? Okay, just a a few little things here. We know, one, we know she was married. Um, Two, we know she was deciding disputes for the nation of Israel. Um, She was like what we would call a modern-day judge. Um, She was actually deciding when they had um, issues that they couldn't figure out. They would bring it to Deborah, and she would figure it out for them. She would make the decision. We know that she was a prophetess, so God was actually giving her wisdom and and sometimes that did hold the future in it. Oftentimes you'll hear people 
in modern days talk about having the gift of prophecy because prophecy is a spiritual gift. However, that can kind of freak us out, weird us out a little bit, right? When we hear that in the modern day church, it's like, what? They're not a prophet. Well, it's a, it, prophecy really just means that you have the gift of being able to tell the truth. You have the gift of being able to um, say what God means by his word. So in Deborah's day, though, she not only had the ability to decipher and speak God's truth, she did, uh, in one instance, make a claim that hadn't happened yet and, and predicted it, and it did happen when she did say that Israel would be, the victory would be handed over to a woman. That's in uh, Judges chapter 4, and it did happen that way. So, okay, one other thing. So we know in verse 4 of Judges chapter 4, we know she was leading Israel. So this is awesome. This is huge for us, for women especially, because we do see here that God does call women to lead, right? Uh, which, you know, that's he, there's different things that God tells us about where we're supposed to be as leaders of the church and where we're supposed to be as uh, leaders in our home if we're married. Um, we're supposed to submit to our husband's authority and, and that sort of thing. And we're not really going to do that today, but we do see here that at times he does make women number one in command. He does call them to lead. There were men serving under Deborah. She was the one leading them. Um, we know that she was brave, right? In Judges chapter 4, verse um, verse 9, we see that she actually goes to war. She sends her second in command, Barak. Um, she tells him to go, and he says, I'm if you go with me, I'll go. But if you don't go with me, I'm not going. He says that. And she's she's brave. She says, very well, I will go with you. And then we know that she was an incredible woman of faith here because she gives right up front before they've even gotten to the battlefield. She gives all the glory to God. And she goes on to say, uh, this is where she predicts that a woman, um, the honor will be to a woman. She says, I will go with you, but because of the way you are going about this, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will hand Sisera, that is one of the, the kings that they're going to be fighting against later on in the chapter. The Lord will hand Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak. And then we see on down where she says, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands, right? And she goes on, she says, um, she says, the Lord has given, the Lord has gone ahead of you, the Lord has routed us. So she knows before it's even happened, she says, the victory is God's. And I, I love her faith, the faith that she demonstrates here. Um, you know, we win when we do things God's way every time and here's the thing it has to be his way that's where the victory lies we see that again uh you know in different places in scripture we see Gideon uh with only 300 men conquers the Midianites uh, an army of over 200,000 men he conquers them with um with untraditional weapons right they've got oil and torches and uh, vases full of oil. That's that's their that's their weapon. They don't have swords. They don't have guns. They don't have knives. 
Um, but the victory lies with God. And I love, you know, same thing, Joshua, when they go in, you know, you guys have probably heard about the walls of Jericho. And they go in, they marched around the wall. They marched around the wall for seven days. And eventually they blow horns. That's what brings the walls down, the victory with God's. And that's the only promised victory, right, is his victory. He never loses. So when I think about the book of Judges in this time period, what's going on in, in the history of the Israelites right here, you know, the whole reason these wars were even fought in the book of Judges is because the Israelites failed to obey and completely drive out the inhabitants of the promised land. When they, after wandering in the desert for 40 years, when Joshua first brought them in, they were commanded to drive all of the inhabitants out. And they did some, but not all. They drove out some, but not all. And so what, what later ensued, what happened, was they, they intermarried. And the, the people of the land that were there before they got there, the ones that they're supposed to be driving out, worshipped false gods, these pagan gods, statues of wood and iron. And the Israelites began over time to not think it was as big of a deal as it really was. And they began to bow down to these gods as well. And they didn't get rid of our God, but they tried to share his throne. They tried to allow these other gods to share his throne. And over and this chiseled away at their faith, this chiseled away at uh, what they had, and it dishonored the one true God. And so one of the things we learn here from the book of Judges, from the time period of Deborah, is that partial obedience is really disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. In Judges chapter 5, verse 8, we see that God was no longer at the center of their lives anymore. It says the powerful forces around them, they became stronger within their community because without God at the center, sorry, this is me paraphrasing, the powerful forces around them became stronger than than within the Israelite community because without God at the center, we cave in. That's how we all are. If we don't have God at the center of our lives, we cave in. And verse 8 tells us, when they chose new gods, war came to the city gates. When they chose new gods, war came to the city gates. Trouble came looking for them, right? And that's how the enemy works. He watches and he waits and he knows when we're weak. And if we're living in sin how much easier for us to just cave in when the enemy's all around us rather than to be able to stand strong. So how do we fight back? Well, one, we stay focused on God. You know, we, we need to be disciplined in our faith even when we don't feel like it. We have to pray. We have to read. We have to study. We have to go to church. We need to meet with other believers. Uh, we need to intentionally put God at the center of our conversations. You know, there's a big difference between meeting 
with other believers and intentionally meeting with other believers with God at the focus of the event. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 through 8 says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. I mean, he's saying all the time, be intentional about me. Tie a reminder on your finger if you need to. Write it on your door frame so you see it when you come out and when you go in. Talk about me when you lie down and when you get up, when you're standing, when you're sitting. God is supposed to be at the forefront of all that we do. You know, and so thinking about these, the idea of the enemy coming for us, when we're not focused on God, I started thinking about, you know, what do what do modern day attacks look like? There are, are no longer warriors and soldiers standing outside our city gates waiting to raid us and conquer our lands or bust down our front doors. Thank God. Not here in the US at least. We're so so blessed to live in this nation. Because there are Christians that Faith in Christ does look like that. But here, I think modern day attacks are when we are focused on other things, when we are chasing after other things instead of God, when we're chasing after money or power or recognition, validation, these types of things, right? And so... What will that, I mean, think about what that will look like in your life. How does that manifest itself? If we're chasing after the wrong things, we're not going to have that peace that God promises. We're not going to have that joy that God promises because peace and joy and love, promises that he's made to us only come when we are chasing after him. When we're chasing after these other things, I think it starts to look a lot like stress and anxiety. It can look like illness. It can look like just plain old modern-day fatigue. And we start to cave in. Just like the nation of Israel could no longer hold up against their enemies when they weren't bowing down to the one true God, they literally caved in from war that pushed past their city was walls, right? We begin to cave in spiritually. We begin to cave in emotionally. So my question for us today is this. Who are you chasing after? What are you chasing after? Who are you bowing down to? Which God have you chosen to be Lord of your life? I love this verse in Luke, Luke sixteen thirteen. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one 
and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can insert any modern-day idol there. You cannot serve both God and power. You cannot serve both God and fame. You cannot serve both God and insert a person's name that you idolize. It can even be our children if we've put them above God. Anything that we are asking God to share his throne with has become an idol in our lives. And we've got to break it down. We've got to tear it down and put it in its rightful place. Sometimes, obviously, if that's our children or our husband, that doesn't mean to get them out of our lives. It just means to put them in the appropriate place in our lives. But sometimes there are idols that need to be completely ripped out of our lives and thrown in the fire. Um, I, you know, I know this from personal experience. I had what I thought was a very casual addiction. And guess what, guys? There is no such thing. If you are addicted, whether it is to heroin or pornography or shopping and spending too much money and you're hiding credit cards or alcohol or, for me, it was cigarettes, cigarettes that I hid and coveted and loved I had smoked for 19 years. And guess what? When somebody picks up something like cigarettes or cocaine or porn or a secret credit card that they're spending on, I guarantee you nobody plans to still be clinging to it 19 years later. But it had become an idol, and I was virtually what I thought was casual because it was only on Friday nights and it was only with cocktails had actually become the thing I looked forward to more than anything, the thing that I loved more than anything. And God, we serve a jealous God. God will not share his throne. He won't. He's worthy of all our praise. And I'm, I'm so glad to say that, that I'm not addicted to those anymore, that um, it wasn't casual and it was incredibly um it was a the spiritual battle of my life to lay those down and put god back in his rightful place in my life um but i did it in march it'll be four years so um and the victory was his the victory only lied with him lied with him that's not even a word (laughs) the victory was with him and so that's the thing i want us to really take away today when we um, when we think about Deborah is that Deborah's heart was focused on God even in a time when most around her were not focused on God kind of sound like the world you live in sounds a lot like the world I live in because she was focused on God she stood out But you know what? Because she stood out and because he was her one true God, he used her. I don't want to miss out on the blessings of being used by God because I'm focused on other things. 
I know you don't either. So let's be intentional about it. Remember, I challenged you guys a few weeks back to get in the Word 10 minutes a day, right? One chapter a day, 10 minutes a day, every day. It'll change your life. It'll change your life. I've told you guys so many times it's changed mine. I've been a believer. I've been saved and and, uh, um, my salvation has been intact. I was without a doubt a Christian since I was eight years old. But, you know, we all go through seasons and I had lived in a deep pit of sin for about 20 years and God was definitely not first in my life for a very long time. And, Climbing out of that pit, the thing that that kept me out of it, the thing that motivated me to even try to climb out of it, was I started getting into the Word. I started getting into Bible study, and it started changing things. It started changing me and changing my goals and changing what I wanted out of life, changing what I thought was important, changing what I wanted it to look like. I was no less saved when I was living in that pit of sin than I am now. And not to say I still don't fall short. We all sin every day. But the climb out of that pit was not in me. It was in him. He and his word were gave me the strength to get out of it. And I didn't have to pull myself out of it. He pulled me out of it. Once I was surrendered, once I was all in, all his, he just reached down and scooped me up. And the victory was and always is with him. All right, with that, um, that's all I have for us today. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for each person on this call listening. I pray, Lord, that you would use the skinny to speak your words, your truth straight into their hearts. Lord, I, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your for your faithfulness, for your mercy. I thank you for this reminder today, for this story of a woman who is focused on you. Lord, show us our modern-day idols. Show us the gods that we have maybe even unintentionally tried to put on your throne. Give us strength, Lord to tear down those idols and to truly surrender our lives to you and to the way that you've called us to live them, Lord. We love you. You are our God. And we want to be the types of leaders who are always focused on you. You are always on our lips when we're standing down, when we when we lay down, when we get up, when we go out, when we come in. We want to be the kind of leaders, Lord, that your name is always on our lips. May we be willing to stand out. May we be willing, Lord, to be focused on you and look like you even in a time when so many around us don't. Give us courage, Lord, to live for you each and every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, thank you again for being here with me this afternoon. This is, once again, this is your weekly Skinny with Jesus, and we meet right here every Tuesday at 2 o'clock Central Time. I do post these calls in the Weekly Skinny Facebook page. I'll do that right after we finish up here. So if you have not added yourself to the Facebook page yet, I encourage you to do so. Just search Weekly Skinny in Facebook and then add yourself there. It is a public page. Everybody is welcome. The more the merrier. So feel free to invite your friends, your teammates, post the Weekly Skinny graphic in your team pages, or you can save it to your phone so you can text it out if you've got uh, friends, customers, teammates that you think would be blessed by this call and would find value here, then uh, please lead them to it. We would love to have them on the call as well. So with that, I will see you back here next Tuesday at 2 o'clock, same uh, time, same dial-in number, and God bless you and yours. Bye now.